0: If you'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, you'll notice that is not Habakkuk, but we're going to get to Ephesians 2, and I want you to be there already. But since you know what Ephesians 2 verse 20 is, and since you have sung it so well, I think we ought to sing it again, probably four or five more times this morning, okay? Okay. Because that's what we're gonna do. This uh, now, I say every sermon is participatory. Because you you have to be engaged. You have to let your mind be be working on what the passage says, where we're going, uh, the application in your own life. Um, but but I I've I sat in the pew before, and I understand that some days your mind will wander to things that that are not relative to the sermon. But you got to pay attention this morning because you're gonna have to par- play a part in it because you're going to have to sing. okay? And, and Jeremy will start us off when it's that time, but it is your response. This is a call and response. And your response is Habakkuk chapter 20. Okay? So,
1: that, that's your cue. Uh, so, <laughs> The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the Silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence.
0: Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your inspired word that it was spoken so long ago, but yet it is relevant for today to remind us of who you are remind us of your great power and your great love for us open our eyes today to what this means in our lives we pray this in christ's name amen now we we sang that and we probably all have songs in our lives that that have stuck in our brains for some reason now there's there's reasons for that which i won't go into uh, that that music sticks in our brains more so than just an arbitrary list of things Remember, uh, uh, Dr. Tom on Wednesday uh, had a rhyme that he learned back in med school uh, in the 1700s, I believe. He was in med school. Uh, And and he related it to us, and then he said, And this is what it means. And he went on and on and on. I said, That was really important. He said, Well, it was a rhyme. It stuck in my my head. So we all have songs like that. And and sometimes you'll you'll see an ad or somebody will mention that, and, and those songs will come back to our minds. If you go to McDonald's, it's to all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Okay. You go to Burger King, you can have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. If your stomach's upset? You hit the Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> plop plop, fizz fizz. Oh, what a relief it is! Okay, so you get you get that. One that has stuck in my mind. It goes back to the the old. Schoolhouse Rock, Conjunction, Junction, okay? Conjunction, Junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses, okay? And, and it goes on and on. I was just going to read the words. I won't sing it, thankfully. I won't sing it at all. Uh, how's that function? I got three favorite cars. They get most of my job done. Conjunction, Junction, what's their function? I got and, but, and or. They get you pretty far. And that's an additive like this and that. But that's sort of the opposite. Not this but that. And then there is or or when you have a choice like this or that. That'll get you pretty far. Okay? I I, I a little kid, you know, there's a little kid and I remember that thing. It comes back in your in your mind. Okay? The the word there that we're after is this great word and it has great theological meaning but 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 God but God it's this great word in scripture because it shows us the difference between who we are and who God is what we do and what God does man is sinful but God is merciful man expects to be God God to be one way but God is a different way. He is not like us. The Oxford English Dictionary defines but as used to introduce a phrase or clause contrasting with what has already been mentioned. So what has already been mentioned? Last two weeks, we have seen these woes that are pronounced upon Babylon for their sinful actions as God has used them to judge Israel Now, and and remember, Habakkuk's like, uh, God said, I'm going to show you something, and you won't believe it, and Habakkuk says, I don't believe it, Lord. How could you possibly use the Babylonians, who are terrible people, to judge your covenant people? And basically, the Lord says, because you should know better, and you have wandered away. But once I have used Babylon to judge you, then I'm going to judge Babylon, remember, by the Medes and the Persians. That's who he uses to judge Babylon. And the five things in particular that he judges Babylon for, theft, injustice, shedding of innocent blood, sinful acts rooted in drunkenness, and the idiocy of worshiping idols. They make up the five woes that we've looked at over the last two weeks. Which nation could the Lord pronounce those woes upon today? Uh, All of them. Why haven't we learned anything? Why haven't we, why do we still, after 2,600 years from these words, why do we still do these things? It's because of our nature. It's who we are. It's, I'm sinful in here, okay? My, I've been sinful since the moment I was conceived. Not because I was doing sinful things, but because it was my nature. And out of my nature flows my sinful actions. We still kill, we still steal We still continue to worship idols. In fact, John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol factory. We just crank them out one after another. Okay? Always something else to worship besides the Lord. Our passage this morning is to say it's one simple verse, and it was given to Habakkuk, and it was given then to Israel through Habakkuk, and now it's been given to us to remind us of the sovereign care of the lord that he has for his chosen people. Now, we have talked about the sovereignty of God many, many times. And this is what I think if 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 I had to rate attributes of God, this is perhaps the most important attribute of the Lord, that he is sovereign. It has understanding as much as I possibly can and holding fast to the sovereignty of God has gotten me through more things in my life than I can I can name. Bad things, things I don't understand. Why? Why? Well, God is sovereign. The Lord is in His holy temple. Okay, He sits there. He has moved everything. There is not an atom in this world that is not under His sovereign authority. I hope the sovereignty of God you've come to understand that this is not an attribute of God that turns us all into robots. Well, God is sovereign. I have to do whatever he says. No, that does not take away freedom of will in in our actions and things like that. But the sovereignty of God is a doctrine that brings assurance of salvation, security for all eternity, peace in the face of the most terrible things. God is sovereign over those things. And if you belong to him, he is going to use those things to conform you to Christ and for your own good. And remember, the the tough part of that verse in Romans 8 is God defines what is good. That's hard. I, I don't particularly like that. Because I think I know what is good for Randy, but yet the Lord really knows. Because my definition of what is good for Randy is full of selfishness, is tainted by sin. And God's definition of what is good for me is pure and holy and just. Sovereignty, Sovereignty means there's no limits on God. No limits upon his rule. It means he is the one and true and only God. He is sovereign over nations. He is sovereign over people. He is sovereign over animals. He is sovereign over all things that he has created. He is never helpless. He is never frustrated. He is never at a loss. I didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. Okay, God's not sitting up there talking to Christ and said, son, did you think that was going to happen? No, he knew. In fact, he had ordained those things between, in, that, in that strange confluence between his sovereign control and our free will. That's that's for another ten weeks to cover that, okay? God is sovereign, and it's only when we are under his care that we can feel most secure and most free. Secure and free. God is never constrained to do a thing that he despises. He's never backed into a corner where his only recourse is to do something he didn't want to do, something that he hates. He does whatever he pleases, and whatever he pleases is good, especially in relation to believers. He acts in accordance with his character and with how he has promised to act towards us. How do we know? It's written in his word. How does he act towards us? For our good, for his glory, what best conforms us to Christ. So when we ask questions to God, now, remember, we looked, started Habakkuk. We began to say there are big questions that Habakkuk answers. God, are you there? Are you even listening? Are you even paying attention? Is God fair? We are reminded of this great word, but. But. We ask these questions, and God says, but I am sovereign. But I, yet, I sit in my temple. And I know everything. I know what you're going through. I understand that pain. I understand that suffering. I understand the trial. And you know what? I'm going to use that to conform you to the image of Christ. I'm going to use that. Maybe he needs to break your heart and then build you up again in Christ because you've become too proud. Maybe you're too self-reliant. And he has to knock you down a peg or two. How many of us have been knocked down a peg or two? Or three or four. How many of us have come to that point in our life where we have nothing but the Lord and it's there we realize, you are my strength. You are my shelter. You are my fortress. And I'm not going to rely upon the things of this world. You may have reached that point more than once in your life. When the Lord says he's in his holy temple and all the earth is to keep silence, this is not a silence of, so sit down and shut up, because you really don't understand. This is a silence of awe. This is a silence of the holiness of God is before us. Isaiah 52 talks about that that Jesus will shut the mouths of kings, because they will be in awe of who he is. Well, you say, okay, Rand, I hear you. I'm reading the same things in the Bible, but my eyes are telling me something different here. When I look at the rest of the world, how can God be sovereign when I see these atrocities being carried out? Evil has to be in control. God must be on a break, okay? Evil must be in control. You know, 1,200 civilians, maybe 1,400, were massacred on October 7th in Israel. 1,200, 1,400. Numbers are a little. Undis- undi- closed, undisclosed. Women were raped and killed. Babies were beheaded. Defenseless people were shot in their homes. They were dragged out in the street and shot. You realize that if the number that were killed, let's say 1,200 were killed, and you take the population of Israel and compare that to the population of the United States, that would be 43,000 Americans killed on that day. I said, Lord, are you not in control? Have you forgotten your people? 10,000 Ukrainian civilians have been killed in that war. How can a holy and just God let these things continue? What do you have to say to those Jews who feel like God has abandoned them once again? I tell them,
1: but... The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent.
0: Well, okay, Rand. That's, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what it's like in my life. You don't know what it's like to have a loved one who needs constant care or to watch someone you love just deteriorate right in front of your eyes, right? You don't know the pain of having your child or grandchild die. You don't understand the sorrow of the broken heart that I have experienced. Where was God then? Where was God in the midst of that suffering? How can your sovereign God send those sufferings upon me when I've I've only tried to be faithful? How can he call himself holy and just when I've watched my children turn their back? They were raised in the church and they've turned their back on the gospel. You call that holy? Is that right they were raised in the church, and now they seek after the things of the world, and they just don't get it through their head that they're not going to find happiness there. What do you say to that? I say, but.
1: The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. The Lord is in his holy
0: I swear, I swear, I think the Lord has mistaken me for Job. I think that's, that's what's happened. I'm suffering, and I see no apparent reason for suffering. I think in spite of my faithfulness, the suffering has come upon me. So, so therefore, God must be arbitrary, right? Just up there picking on whomever seems to be making progress. I think I'll smash them a little bit, bring a little sorrow into their lives. How could a sovereign God? Be good if it includes crushing those who are already sometimes just holding on by our fingernails, Lord. Does his rule extend over the little things in life? Does he know I'm having trouble getting enough groceries? Does he know my kids are being picked on at school? How can, can, is he sovereign when we're we're not even safe in our own neighborhoods? Because those are the real things in life that, that I'm sure he's not paying attention to. And I tell you that but.
1: The Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence. The Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence. Don't you
0: see the changing tide of society, right? Going against what you're proposing, going against the, this concept that God is sovereign. People think they, they can be a man today, they can be a woman tomorrow, they can be something in between the next day. And I, as a Christian, don't have to just exist with them. I don't have to just accept them. I have to celebrate them, for they have found who they are finally. And if I don't celebrate them, then I'm the bad guy. If I don't celebrate them, then I'm the oddball. I'm the one that's evil. I'm the nasty person. The world's turned upside down, man. What is right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right. What do you say to that one?
1: But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent.
0: I remember what you said about Calvin, Randall. My heart is a factory of idols. It turns about, and I'm a believer. I've even turned what is good in my life into idols. my children. Maybe my job. Maybe my appearance. Maybe I've even turned this joy that I get out of Christian life into an idol where I become a worshiper of the joy and I only focus upon that and I don't focus upon anything else that the Lord has for me because I'm not interested in it. All I'm interested in is the joy and I worship the joy. I've turned it into an idol. So what about those who do not believe, who say there is no God? Well, we all worship something. And usually it starts right here with self god of their own making a delight in themselves a glory in themselves they hold no moral truth as absolute other than what they decide is true for them Rand, that's the world we live in how can a world that is growing more arbitrary that no longer has a standard or a universal moral compass to hold to and no longer has the wisdom to seek god and not destroy itself what do you say to that world i say but The Lord
1: is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence.
0: Yeah, man. Remember that denomination we left a few years ago? That group, along with what seems like all the other old-line denominations, they've embraced the world. They've embraced the culture. It's now their partner. In fact, it's hard to tell the difference between some of those so-called churches and the world. The mainstream social trends seem to have taken over. Who can you trust anymore, Rand? There seems to be a slide towards acceptance of sin everywhere, even within the church. Denominations are compromising with the world. Look in the other way when it comes to certain sins because those certain sins are popular in society. And, and, and if I know I speak against them, man, I am going to take some heat. So why not even mention them? Why just, that's just the way that the world is, okay? It's inconvenient to talk about those. We simply have redefined sin in the world. Churches opening their positions of leadership to everybody who lives anti-biblical lives. The hold no values. Are there any good churches that they Because I fear for the Christianity in this country. And I say to you, but the Lord
1: is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. The Lord is in his
0: know my heart Rand. you don't know my secret heart down in the very depths of my soul those desires and those things I think and those things I do when nobody else is around when nobody else sees me I know what the Bible says about these things but I don't care because I don't like them a lot I'm okay with my will taking precedence over what God says is right now I put on a good public face okay but I know what I'm like in here. You don't understand the weight of this burden in my life. My, all these past sins. People I have wronged. People I have hurt. Lives I have disrupted. Lives I have destroyed. Because of my own selfishness. My own pride. I carry around that guilt rant. It weighs me down. I push it aside and I move on with life. But you know, it is still there. And it just lurks beneath the surface. Waiting. Because it affects everything I do. It affects all my relationships. All my interactions with people are tainted and limited. Because I cannot let go of those things or get over what I have done. And what is worse is I don't think I can move on from what I have done. I, and I can't forgive those who have done those things to me. I hold on to those things. Because part of me doesn't want to forgive. Part of me doesn't want to let go of those things. Because of that, I can't trust. Because of my one to let go of these hurts and fears and pains and things like that, I can't be as open as I once was. I can't have that same relationships that I did before. I'm scarred because of what others did to me and because of what I've done to others. And maybe because I don't want to forgive. And I say to you, but the
1: Lord is in silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence.
0: It is a sovereign God who sits enthroned in heaven, who knows your name, who knows your secret heart, who knows the sorrows you have, who knows the pains you have, who has been there with you, whether you understood it or not. He knows your sin. But yet he calls us to believe because he is ready to forgive that sin. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Because those of us who are in our sin are dead. That's what it says. I'm not making it up. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I remember those days, even though they were long ago. I'd never go back to those days before Christ. I would never go back to be under the authority of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. Okay? You you got it? But God. He didn't go, you know what? Jenkins is worthless. Because he is just pursuing that selfishness and that is all that he wants. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when I couldn't get to him because I was dead, he came after me and did what? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him that is Christ and seated us with him that is Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you had any doubt of God's care for you, even in all of these other things that are going on, All these other weaknesses that we have, the apparent chaos that goes on in society, the injustice, the killings, the murders, the terrible things that go on.
1: But God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. In his holy temple Let all the earth keep silent Heavenly
0: Father, who are we That you would care for us? Who are we that you would be mindful of us? You who are sovereign over all things Over this world, over all creation Over our hearts Why would you love us? It is simply a question of grace. The grace that is given to us by a God who could do anything he wants. But yet he looks upon his creation. He looks upon sinful men and women. He says, I will call you and draw you unto myself. And I will give you life everlasting in my son, Jesus the Christ. For he has paid the penalty for your sin. Upon him was the weight of all your transgressions. For when you were dead in your sin, through the work of Christ, God has made you alive. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to this. That we would not be in doubt of your care over us not be in doubt of the great love that you have for us and that you have loved us with through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.
1: We are invited to a feast, so let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn 636.